Hey, Changemakers. Welcome back to the Engage for Good podcast. It's been a little while, but we are so excited to be back with season 15. I'm your host, Allie Murphy, and I hope you had a wonderful summer doing the things that bring you joy. I'm a tea drinker, but for one day a year, this episode might change my mind. Why? Duncan and the Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation teamed up for the first ever iced coffee day on May 25th, 2022. During this remarkable event, participating Duncan locations nationwide donated $1 from every iced coffee sold to the foundation, resulting in a $1.8 million amount raised with funds distributed to local children's hospitals. We're about to spill all the beans on this initiative and savor every drop. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I am a sucker for puns. The campaign had a clear goal in mind. They aimed to raise $1.5 million through a strategic blend of national and hyper-local marketing efforts, grant funding, and volunteer programs. They partnered with national and local media outlets, spread the word to local children's hospitals, utilized their mobile sampling vehicles, handed out gift cards, and had digital activations during sporting events to maximize engagement. And you know what? Their work paid off. Duncan saw a 10% surge in iced coffee sales, and stores experienced a 4% rise in sales volume. But wait, there's more. The campaign didn't just meet its fundraising target, it surpassed it by an impressive $300,000. What made this initiative so impactful? Well, here's one of the key ingredients. It allowed Duncan's charitable footprint to mirror its restaurant footprint. They made a direct difference in the communities where Duncan serves its guests. In today's episode, I'm joined by April McGonigal, director of the Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation, and Molly Ray, president and founder of Four Momentum. They're here to spill the beans on the first ever Ice Coffee Day and celebrate its recent win of the prestigious 2023 Best of the Best Halo Award. In today's episode, we'll explore the essential ingredients that make a best of the best and a best in class campaign. How Duncan rallied franchisee support, which took some time. How to leverage authentic mission and brand alignment for impactful campaigns. April's advice for developing successful corporate social impact initiatives, the impressive marketing reach and why it was crucial for success, and what's brewing for future iced coffee days. So grab your favorite mug, kick back, and get ready for a jolt of inspiration. This episode is brought to you by Four Momentum. Hey, Molly, welcome back to the show. Oh, hey, Allie. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be back. It is always a pleasure to have you. I'm glad that you're here. (laughs) Thanks. For our listeners who aren't familiar with you, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and what Four Momentum does? Absolutely. Um, So Four Momentum, we are an agency that specializes in really helping to foster meaningful partnerships between nonprofits and companies. And that has been the core of our mission since we were founded. In fact, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary this year. Woohoo! So, yeah, woohoo is right. It's time flies when you're having fun and all that good stuff. But <laughs> 
it's just fascinating to see how much the space has evolved in 20 years. But we just keep rolling with those evolutions and keep focused on our core mission, which is is to really help both partners work effectively together to, to achieve really their independent goals, but more importantly, their collective goals and mission impact. I love that. And you as a person, tell us some fun facts about you. I am um, a very, outside of my work life, I'm a very dedicated family person. I'm really happy. I have two adult children. And I have to say to all of uh, the listeners who may be raising children and in the depths of of the difficult daily uh, routine and energy that it takes, I will tell you that once they become adults, it's a really fun age of parenting. And I'm enjoying that very much. And I also, one of my children has given me two grandchildren. So I enjoy spending time with them as often as I possibly can. That's so fun. And I very much feel from the other side, being an adult child, my parents moved to Bend where I live back in October. And it has been really fun to have them around and figure out this new phase of our relationship. So I feel you on that one. Yeah, it's what it's fun. Mm-hmm. So to dive into the actual conversation today, we're going to bring our guest on in a little bit. But first, I want to just talk to you. We've run the Halo Awards for years now. We're back in the 20s, 21 years. And one of the things that we did a couple of years ago is we started a Best of the Best Award. What is the Best of the Best Award, Molly? And how is the winner selected? Well, you know, I love the Best of the Best Award because it it adds a new layer of of recognition to these very important campaigns so it's not about the spiffiest or you know the latest flash in the pan or you know the hottest topic it's really about operational excellence and and really bringing these campaigns to life and i've kind of have i look at it as sort of a top 5 if you will there are five ways that you make your way to being a best of the best halo recipient so number 1 there has to be an authentic um, commitment to mission impact. So there has to be really uh, meaningful, preferably long-term demonstrated impact um, and not just a marketing promotion. Um, Number two, and this is so important, is that it authentically leverages both partners. So the nonprofit and the corporation, both using their resources and and really, really mining what they can bring to the partnership, not just a one-sided effort. Number three, uh, you know, it's not a one-trick pony, right? It, multi- it, it, it activates multiple channels. It's multi-channel. It, it has lots of different ways of shedding light and energy and engagement on, on the topic at hand. And number four, um, let's face it, it has to generate significant resources for the nonprofit. It has to really make mission impact and not just um, not just in a check the box kind of way, but true deep connection that is generating meaningful impact um, for, for the issue, whatever that issue may be. And then fifth and last but not least, it needs to be very creative and energetic and engaging and something that people want to uh, want to support. So I think those are the five, you know, key elements of a best of the best campaign. I love how you've distilled them so succinctly into things that are pretty easy to understand. But my personal favorite right now, and I don't know why I didn't think of it this way before, but is number three and how you started with It's Not a One Trick Pony. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) 
And Molly, one of the things that you mentioned a little bit, but I want to call out is that this award is really it's category agnostic. So at the end of the Halo judging, we go through and people share the campaigns that really stood out to them. It doesn't matter if it was in the Jedi category or the consumer activated corporate donation. It is across the entire list of entries that this winner is pulled. Yes, it is across all of the entries. And what's interesting, a little tidbit and insight is that it was a unanimous choice this year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you have years of experience in this space and have conducted a lot of research, a lot of which I have learned from. So what do you think makes for best in class initiative? Uh, Well, thank you. I learned from our research, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's Um, a good thing. Yeah. So, you know, but 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 seriously, you know, we conduct this research on an ongoing basis because the market does change and this practice is evolving as we've as we've discussed before. And, you know, you really have to keep your finger on the pulse, so to speak, of all the different, um, you know, different landscape factors and things that are impacting impacting our space. But a couple of years ago, we were very curious about the best in class and best of the best type of question. So we literally did a campaign exclusively focused on best-in-class campaigns. And we surveyed 50 nonprofit organizations who have won a HALO award in the past to talk with them about about the campaigns, those award-winning campaigns that we all know and love. And it was fascinating. We asked a number of different questions about, you know, planning factors and, you know, what makes it successful and, you know, who's engaged and how do they bring it to life, et cetera, et cetera. So because we really wanted to understand what are those best practices that we can then apply across all partnership planning. But, you know, to get to, get to your question about, you know, you know, what What makes a best-in-class initiative? We did ask the question, you know, what did we ask these practitioners, what did they feel like was the most important thing in making a campaign a success? And what they answered is that number one, the number one answer is investment, right? So what's important to recognize is that these, these things don't just happen. It takes a no. lot of investment. <laughs> takes a lot of investment, time, resources, um, and and so you have to really put that in. The number two um, key factor for success is authenticity, which I love because again we sort of spoke about this earlier that we think that a best in class campaign really really has to have authentic connection um, to it. And and along that, another answer within the top five that is sort of a first cousin of that is brand alignment. Right. It needs right. To, it needs to make sense that these two partners are combining. Why are they working together and how can they authentically, you know, address this mission space and make inroads together? Um, and another factor that I want to bring up as a as a top contender in successful campaigns is employee engagement uh, was listed as as top five factor. And and for those of us that have been in the space for a very long time, we just keep seeing that employee engagement factor on the rise. It just constantly is increasing more and more. In fact, our most recent research that we did here in 2023 shows that um, employee activations are now a top three most common activation of cost campaigns in today's um, marketplace. So this year, there were a variety of campaigns that could be considered best in class. There were a lot that were authentic. They had true investment. There was really strong brand alignment. And a lot of the other components that you talked about with the top five for the best of the best 
What made Duncan's 2022 Ice Coffee Day stand out to you and the judges? We already said it was unanimous. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it was unanimous. But interestingly enough, as we dove into the discussion, each each judge sort of had a different attribute that had really mm-hmm. stood out to them. So I'll start with the one that really stood out to me, <laughs> which is the franchisee involvement. You know, having having worked in both corporate and nonprofit in multi-franchise organizations or local national affiliates on the nonprofit side, pulling, you know, pulling the the goals together from a national local perspective is difficult. And it, you know, it is remarkable that Duncan was able to pull together um, through their foundation and and then, but all the way through at the local level, getting each independent franchisee to come on board. And that is not an easy feat and really, I think, stood out. Um, I can't wait till we dig into a little bit more of the behind the scenes of how they pull that off um, with April. But I think that that's the number one thing that stood out for me. Another thing that really stood out is, you know, going back to what we just talked about as as being, you know, so important is that authentic connection and the mission alignment. And so, you know, the Joy in Childhood Foundation is all about bringing joy to children and their connection to children's hospitals and helping to bring joy to children in a very difficult moment in their life is just a really true authentic connection. Um, back to our little exchange about one-trick ponies. They are not a one-trick pony in any way, shape, or form. Just multiple activations, both at the national level and the hyper-local level, um, just really made this a standout campaign. So they had a very comprehensive national, but also local PR strategy, as well as marketing strategies. And then, you know, they really put together uh, a, a very impressive toolkit for all their franchisees to use that really allowed them to activate on a multifaceted level. So, and then, you know, last but not least, as we talked about, it has to really generate impact. They set a goal of 1.5 million, which is a pretty decent goal for a year one of a campaign. And then and then they achieved it by over 20% over their goal, um, achieving a total of 1.8 million. So, you know, that bar of raising significant funds was, was accomplished and that that has to be a, a key element of a best of the best campaign. I'm excited to dive into this, too. I think there's so many questions that we can learn more about from April. Well, answers we can learn more about. Anywho, I want to ask you one more before we bring her on. You've talked a little bit already about how the field has evolved in your wise 20 years. What do you see as some things that have changed or some future trends for best in class efforts that listeners should be paying attention to? I think my favorite change that has taken place over the over the long haul is that, you know, back in the day when I first was involved with this, you know, cause campaigns were a nice to have. It was like, oh, an extra promotion that that a company might run. And what has really happened over time is that both the the corporate stakeholders as well as consumers and employees see this as a must have item you know they really want to see what companies are doing to support their local communities and so it has brought this practice front and center in every way and so that change has been 
just my favorite of all the of all the evolutions. But you know, another really interesting evolution, um, you know, that we always have to factor is you know economic changes and other factors that hit our economy need to be integrated into our planning process. We can't just sit back and say, well, it's always going to be a top strategy. Those strategies need to evolve to match the marketplace. And you know, I really enjoyed Engage for Good. The conference this year was amazing. And Thank you. So many, yes, you you deserve lots of kudos there. It was a fabulous event and just so so many robust conversations. But you know, really learning from some of the corporate perspective how they are evolving during this def- difficult economic time to make sure that they are able to meet the needs of their internal stakeholders, but also keep their campaigns alive and well. And so we see evolutions more towards, um, you know, volunteerism and employee integration and not just cash donations, uh, you know, as as an example. But the, the third one, and we really kind of talked about this a moment ago, but um, you know, if you're looking at evolutions over what has happened in the past few years, we, I mean, employee engagement has to be at the top of that list. You know, we see that um, employees are top of mind as an audience, but really for multiple reasons, companies companies are looking to leverage their cause campaigns to attract employees right. um, in a competitive marketplace to retain employees. And then the third step is they are really looking to, to their employees to help select in the missions that they are getting engaged with. That's another big part of the evolution is the shift in in what mission spaces are top and and you know front and center and you know if you will with with the corporate decision makers what what sort of mission spaces are they supporting and you know since you know the latest evolutions you know post George Floyd and post pandemic you know really key community issues like diversity equity inclusion are rising to the top so i know i gave you i'm sorry i get excited and i give you a lot no, of it's good i feel like i need to kind of recap and say we're seeing evolutions in um how important uh these kinds of practices are to the overall um corporate landscape and what they are choosing to select that's in in alignment with what the community needs and the ways that they're activating that are keeping in mind what's going on in the marketplace and what's in the hearts and goals of their employees. I feel like you and I could talk about this for probably the next three hours and still have a robust conversation, but I'm not sure that anybody wants to listen to a four-hour-long podcast. So I'm going to say we've laid some fabulous groundwork for this episode. Do you think we should invite April to join us? Oh, let's do. I can't wait to hear from April. Hey, April. Welcome to the podcast. Molly and I are excited to have you here. Hi, I'm excited to be here. We are all more than what we do for work, as I say all the time. So tell us a little bit about you as a person and then what you do at the Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation. I love this question. Um, I'm glad. So <laughs> um, so I, um, I am a mom of two. Uh, my son actually just finished uh, first grade yesterday and my daughter heads off to kindergarten in the fall. Um, they are exciting and they keep me busy, uh, wild and crazy. Um, I also just really enjoy, um, going outside, um, time at the beach and gardening. Um, I get a lot of my energy from being outside. Um, and I bring that to work, I hope. So I am the director of the Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation. 
Um, our mission is to bring joy to kids battling hunger or illness um, with the power of Duncan behind us. Um, and so I have the pleasure of um, leading a small but mighty team uh, to bring that mission to life through uh, both fundraising and grant and impact programs. I love it. We also call ourselves a small but mighty team. So that is a term I'm very familiar with. (laughs) So we have told our listeners a little bit about the campaign already. But before we dive into the specifics, would you just give us an overview of this initiative in your own words? Sure. Um, So in 2022, on May 25th, a dollar from every iced coffee sold at Dunkin's across the United States um, went to the Joy and Childhood Foundation to bring joy to kids in local hospitals. Duncan, as many people know, is a franchisee um, structured organization. So um, local uh, businessmen and women, the Duncan franchisees, actually made those donations um, to children's hospitals um, and in its first year raised $1.8 million. That That's amazing. And I just I want to pick up on your comment about the franchisees because that is always such a unique and challenging element of any programmatic execution. And as I understand it, April, this is the first time that all the Duncan franchisees got on board to raise funds for the same cause. And I mean, gosh, that's a huge feat. So congratulations, especially I think you have like 8,500 franchisees in 41 states, I believe is what I read. But anyway, I just want to understand how you pulled that off. When did the planning start? And what what do you consider to be the factors of your success in, in that? Yeah. Um, so planning started for the program about a year prior to the actual iced coffee day. But going back even further back in time, the 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 way that we were able to get franchisees to believe in the program and to be able to activate it um, took years, took years of relationship building with them, took years of building trust and transparency and ensuring that they could trust the foundation to deliver on our impact promise and um, that we would be good stewards of their dollars and of their their business. Um, so, um, you know, I think that it took years to get to the place where the franchisee said, yes, let's do this. And then from that day on, it was about a year of planning um, across a multitude of cross-functional partners within the Duncan system. Um, so we partnered heavily with our our marketing teams, both um, at the national level as well as all of our, as well as all of our uh, local marketing teams, um, our operations teams, um, our foundation team, and then also the other extensions, our hospital partners, and our other partners in the community um, that we worked with to really pull this day through and and bring it to life. Excellent. And, you know, speaking of multifaceted in lots of locations, let's dig in a little deeper on the hospital partners because they were also a lot of moving parts and pieces there, I'm sure. Um, I, I just would love to hear more about what made Children's Hospitals the right partner for you for Ice Coffee Day. Yeah. Um, so hospitals are part of our ecosystem at the foundation to begin with. Um, they're a huge facet of our mission to bring joy to kids battling uh, battling illness. And so when we started thinking about Ice Coffee Day and how we would make an impact in communities, um, we wanted to ensure that the impact was as hyper-local as the Duncan footprint is. 
Um, so depending on where you are in the country, there might be a Dunkin' in every corner, or perhaps it's a couple miles down the road. Um, but it was really important that franchisees and, and their teams and guests felt that their contribution through Ice Coffee Day felt home, felt like it was impacting the families in their own community. And so for the most part, there is a hospital or a children's hospital in, in a, most communities across the country. And so it felt like a really um, easy um, way to pull through that impact at the to have a national halo over the impact, but at the same time have really hyper local um, ability to pull it through. Um, and and our team already has really strong relationships with hospitals through our other impact areas and grant making. Um, that when we were able to start talking about Ice Coffee Day and and getting hospital partners to um, to come to the table and want to participate, we had already built those relationships over years. So they were they were excited to work with us. Um, they were excited to to br- be able to bring not only the funding back to their to the kids in their care, but also build that excitement within their within their own teams and um, within their you know their healthcare ecosystems of of, you know, bringing coffee and donuts to the the nurses and doctors and care staff that that serve um, day in and day out. I want to dive into two different things that you brought up. So I'll, well, one is the kind of marketing side of it. But first, I want to back up a little bit to the franchisees, because as Molly said, this is a huge feat. And you mentioned that this takes years in some cases or for you. It took years to really get them on board. And then you had a year of planning how did you get them on? Like, what was that process of building trust? Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so we have a really strong franchisee base um, at Duncan. Um, I think that there are some of the strongest relationships between franchisees, the community where they work and live, and the foundation and how and how we are an asset to be able to kind of go a little bit deeper. Um, so... It takes a lot of communication. Um, I believe that being transparent and having open lines of communication, not just with franchisees, but with any stakeholders is incredibly important. Um, so if if there are questions and if there are um, education that needs to be done about who we are, what we do, where do our dollars go? We get that a lot. Um, and it's continuing to tell the story of where the dollars go, how they make an impact, and why this is important to their business. I mean, that's what they, they certainly want to make the impact in their communities, but they also need to understand that it is good for their business um, that they do that. So, um, so yeah, I would say open lines of communication, um, being incredibly transparent, and meeting franchisees and any stakeholders where they are. Um, listening to them, being an open ear, hearing about what they're passionate about, um, even if it not, might not fit under our mission area focus, um, just being an ear to hear them out, what they're passionate about, and then trying to make some linkages um, between what they're passionate about, what we do, and and you know the the ways that we can work together. And then one of the other things that you mentioned a little bit about was this marketing side of things. So you deployed a national and also a hyper local marketing campaign that leveraged a bunch of different media partners. What are some of the key factors that made your campaign successful from that lens? I think it's just that the idea that it was national and hyper local. We were able to, thanks to the generosity of of 
Duncan and the marketing teams, we were able to pull through so many different facets um, from social media, from targeted social media plans to working with social media influencers, um, being able to do events both at Duncan's as well as at local children's hospitals to really engage the community where these dollars would ultimately be impacting. Um, so we call those sampling events, but being able to bring, you know, the joys of Duncan coffee and donuts to those um, that are serving and, and really caring for the kids. Um, we were able to pull through sports partnerships um, as well as tap into Duncan's digital support. So we were able to send emails um, and also have some app integration. So it really was, it wasn't just one thing. It was so many different layers of how all the different um, triggers were really pulled um, that I believe contributed to the success. Wow, that's great. I mean, so many layers. That's that's impressive. Um, I know that your 2023 Iced Coffee Day has recently taken place at the time of this recording. Um, just curious if you're if you're able to share any sneak peeks into how it went. Sure. Yes. Um, so this year the campaign was held on May 23rd and it raised 1.6 million dollars, which is just um, which is just incredible when you think of a dollar per iced coffee. Um, from local franchisees. Um, That's a lot of day. coffee. So we're, re- it's a lot of coffee. <laughs> it's a lot of caffeine. <laughs> um, so we're really excited. I also think, you know, the dollars are incredibly important and, and getting those out the door to the hospitals. But we felt such a positive sentiment about the day, both internally within our own teams, um, the franchisee community, and then organically. In, in the in the kind of social social world, social media world amongst our hospital partners, we felt like there was such a great momentum and really optimistic approach to what we were feeling for the day. And that gives us a lot of momentum and encouragement for future campaigns like this. Awesome. So speaking of future campaigns like this, what what what's in the crystal ball? What are you thinking about? as you continue to build and evolve the campaign, or is it just too early to think, think in years ahead? Oh, it's not too early. <laughs> um, we had a, we had a board meeting um, earlier this week, and this was one of the, the topics that franchisees who sit on our board were really passionate about. They want to know, you know, how can we do more? What can we do differently? Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely a topic that um, is not too far off on the horizon. I don't have a crystal ball, but one of the things that we we are looking to do more of next year is to really connect the meaningful impact that this day has on the lives of community members back to that dollar and back to the guests. So um, really driving home impact and storytelling is something that we would like to pull through a bit more in future campaigns. So April, would an example of that be trying to take the, okay, your one coffee makes X contribution. This isn't the right example, but the one that's coming to mind for me is your $1 provides a meal or part of a meal for a senior citizen. I'm guessing it's a little bit more complicated. Yeah, I think I think the theory of that is is spot on. Um, in in child health care, I think it's a little harder to equate $1 to what those services can provide. But I, I do believe there's a way to do that. And, and perhaps it's us doing a deeper dive on pulling imagery through. 
um, the an image of a child and their family experiencing joy in some of their darkest days, um, or just pulling through some additional storytelling and video components um, that are more public facing. So whether that's through social media or in stores, um, I think is a way for us to tell the story about how these $1 contributions from across the country really have an impact um, in everyone's local communities and and that how far that dollar really goes in the life of a family or a child. Um, a lot of little dollars do add up. Absolutely. It's reminding me of the Charity Checkout Champions report that just came out with Engage for Good that we released in May. But it's amazing how even just roundup of a penny here or three cents here contributes to this massive amount of funds raised for good causes. So that's where my brain went with that. But I'm curious, I always like to ask some advice from people that are on the show. So what thoughts or what advice would you give listeners for developing really a best-in-class campaign like this? We've been talking a lot about authenticity lately. And I and I think that that is one of the key factors um, for cause marketing campaigns. Um, the Ice Coffee Day program worked for us because we were doing something that we were doing day in and day out already. We have fantastic hospital partners who um, are doing are bringing joy to kids day in and day out in hospitals. Um, so it was authentic to us and to our franchisees and and really to our guests. Um, so being authentic to who your brand is and what causes are important, um, I think is really important. The other piece um, I think is, and we talked about a little is. Uh, communications, end-to-end communications. So the campaign doesn't end just because it's over in store or in restaurant. Um, We need to continue to tell the story of why the brand um, chose to do something and chose to make a difference and and also how those dollars are making a difference. Um, So so for us, we, we continue to tell those impact stories about how those single dollar donations contributed to $25,000 to hospitals across the country, as an example. Um, We don't want that story to end just um, the day that Ice Coffee Day ends. It it needs to continue throughout the year. Absolutely. And it's also helpful for it to continue outside outside the specific Ice Coffee Day, because if you run it again, then more and more people hear about it each time that you talk about it and you kind of laid the foundation for a successful campaign next year. Of course, there's more that goes into it than that, but it's one of the building blocks, I would say. Yes, absolutely. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. Before we wrap things up, Molly, do you have any other questions that you want to ask April? No, I think she's done an excellent job of of laying out all the components. I just want to commend you again, April, on a job well done. Having uh, having the benefit of being a halo judge for a number of years, I can tell you that your campaign really stood out as best in class. And I uh, just want to really congratulate you for that accomplishment and for all you're doing for children all across the country through your work. Absolutely. Thank you. We have an incredible team that we're lucky. We're very lucky to do what we do. April, where can listeners learn more about you, Ice Coffee Day, and the work that Duncan and the Foundation do? Yeah, you can check us out at bringjoy.org. That's our website. And you can also stay up to date with what we're doing on LinkedIn um, and Instagram. Wonderful. I will include all of that in the show notes, which you can find at engageforgood.com. And Molly, where can people learn more about you and For Momentum? Well, we certainly have the LinkedIn and Instagrams, but I think the easiest way is just at our website, www.forMomentum.com. 
and would really encourage you to go to our formomentum.com forward slash resources page for a lot of the research and resources that we spoke about in our earlier parts of the discussion. Wonderful. We'll include all of those links in the show notes at engageforgood.com. April and Molly, thanks so much for joining me. It is always a treat to get a behind the scenes look at really successful campaigns and hear a little bit about how they're put together and your advice. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I think that this is great. Great. Thanks so much. The Engage for Good podcast is produced in partnership with True Story FM, engineering by Pete Wright. Music this week is by Kevin P. Holt, Jay Putty, and Rex Banner. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, we hope you'll consider doing just that for our show. But the best thing you can do to support Engage for Good is simply to share the show with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.